0: Singing Dutchman Productions. Hey, everybody. Doug here. This is the first episode that'll air in the year 2021. And I just wanted to take a moment before the episode starts to thank everyone for their continued support that happened back in 2020. What a year. How about it, right? Hopefully, 2021 will be a much smoother year than what 2020 was. Many of you have supported the podcast through buying me a coffee, and I appreciate that. And that's going on still. If anyone would like to contribute, just click on the link in the show notes. One other new thing for 2021 that I'd like to do is invite all of you to be part of the show. What I'm looking for is people to send me a quick short audio file of them saying this. Hi, this is Jane Doe from State College, Pennsylvania, and you're listening to Doug's Front Porch. If that's something you'd like to do... I would love to get it, and will gladly air it at the beginning of a future episode. To do that, just email me at the link in the show notes with your little audio file, and I'll get that at the beginning of an episode somewhere in the near future. In the meantime, I hope you all have a very blessed, healthy, and safe new year 2021, and we'll keep the podcast going as long as we can. Until then, take care and enjoy this episode. Hello and welcome to Doug's Front Porch, a podcast where I get to sit down with friends old and new and have honest conversations. Today I welcome to the front porch Lisa Barr, a friend that I got to know through another friend, um, and I'm really excited that Lisa has agreed to join us and come on the show. Welcome, Lisa.
1: Thank you. I'm really
0: excited to talk to you tonight, (laughs) Doug. It's great. Um, So uh, I have a lot of questions I wrote down, and I can't wait to dig into some of these with you. But let's start um, at the beginning, I guess. So you are not originally from central Pennsylvania. You grew up in the greater Cincinnati area. Uh, tell us a little bit about Cincinnati. A lot of our listeners are from the Northeast United States, and I don't know how many of us actually have any knowledge or know anything about Cincinnati. So, tell us a little bit about your hometown.
1: Oh wow! Well, um, uh, well, my hometown is uh, a lot different than State College. I'm from a, a large city uh, just outside of, you know, the 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 bustling area of, of downtown Cincinnati. Um, so living in, you know, outside in the suburbs of, of Cincinnati, um, we have a lot happening there, major sports teams, big schools, big highways. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, you know, I, I got my start in Cincinnati at, at a very large municipal shelter there, which is quite different than the shelter I'm working at now. But, um, that's really where, um, I, I fell in love with working with with animals was seeing this massive influx of animals in need in our area, you know, being being in the big city,
0: I guess. Uh huh. Oh, man, you jumped five questions ahead of me. This is awesome. (laughs) No, it's great. Um, I've never been to Cincinnati. However, having hearing so much about it from you and your husband, Kevin, it's definitely a place I'd love to visit. They have a vibrant food scene right now and a and a pretty vibrant beer scene as well, like craft brew scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, and I guess I I would say too the Cincinnati I grew up in is a little different than the Cincinnati I visit because I have lived outside of the area for about fifteen years now. So um, my husband Kevin and I can kind of kind of be a little bit of tourists when we go back to visit, and my my family shares with us all the new cool breweries and and the new areas um, where where there's up and coming restaurants and things like that, and it's cool to see. Uh, people I went to school with, you know, starting restaurants, head chefs at restaurants. It's really exciting.
0: Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong about this, but you grew up going to a Catholic high school, correct?
1: Yeah, Catholic high school, Catholic grade school.
0: And was it was it split like all girls or was it co ed?
1: No, we were we were co ed.
0: OK, how do you think or what do you think influences come from that era of growing up in a and going and attending a private Catholic school like that uh, compared to maybe what the average person would get in public ed? Huh.
1: Well, I mean, I guess it's hard for me to answer because I I have no experience myself with public education, but I, I would say um, I feel like my my upbringing and, and my uh, the education I experienced um i have to imagine played a large part in in how um i tend to be like a very structured very organized um person and and i feel like the the schooling that i received really played a part in that
0: okay okay uh, i was just curious about that
1: yeah i mean um the religious aspect of it was um i mean it was there it was prevalent we went to church um at least once a week um as a school. Um but I, I don't think that carried on, you know, into my decision to ultimately <laughs> marry a pastor. I think those things were just coincidental.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. So after high school you went to the Ohio State University, uh which is in Columbus. Uh what did what did you study while at Ohio State?
1: I studied animal sciences at Ohio State. I had every intention of becoming a veterinarian until I actually started working at a veterinarian's office and realized that I did not want to be a veterinarian any longer.
0: Okay. Uh, and you you jumped ahead a little bit, but I want to come back to this. So what I tell everyone in the audience here that uh, you are currently the executive director for Center County Paws, which we're going to talk a lot about that organization, but it is an animal shelter. And you mentioned earlier here in the interview that at some point in, was it when you were in high school or when you were in college, that you started working at a shelter in Cincinnati?
1: Yeah. When I was in high school, I want to say I was 16 when I started volunteering at, um, At the SPCA in Cincinnati, Uh, my mom had to go with me. I remember um, starting, our role was, um, you know, we wanted to work with dogs. And um, we went in once a week uh, on Friday evenings, and we would bathe dogs. um, And then that was to get them ready for the weekend, when they would be meeting new people who were hopefully adopting them. Um, And we went every week for, gosh, I can't even remember how long.
0: So when your friends were going to a party on a Friday night, you were going and washing (laughs) shelter dogs. Is that correct?
1: (laughs) Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Very happily.
0: (laughs) Oh, right, right. Um, So uh, you went to college, you graduated, and then did you – Did you all, did you know from the start that working in animal shelters was a goal of yours or a dream or something along those lines?
1: Yeah. um, Well, yes and no. Um, You know, I said kind of tongue in cheek, like I I decided I didn't want to be a veterinarian after working at a veterinarian office. But I mean, in in some respects, that was true. I started doing it and realized, um, I don't think this is something that I'm going to be happy doing, you know, indefinitely so uh-huh. i quite literally um this sounds very cheesy but i quite literally started thinking about who are the people that i know who i think are happy people and what are the things i like doing and i i immediately thought of um the volunteer coordinator who i had worked with at the spca cincinnati and i was like i uh, i like that i like how he interacts with people i like what he does i love animals this could this could be a way That I could I could do what I want to do in working with animals, but a little differently than the you know more traditional veterinarian path, and um, that's when I just decided that I was going to pursue animal sheltering.
0: Did you have pets when you were a kid growing up?
1: No, we weren't allowed to have pets, and that was a big reason why um, my mom finally started volunteering with me because we were not supposed like we didn't have dogs or cats, and I was so desperate for a dalmatian um and so my mom started uh, going to volunteer with me at the shelter and soon after i started volunteering at the shelter we did start bringing home dogs
0: <laughs> i have to i have to ask you a question because you threw it out there what was it about dalmatians that that was what what, what caused that
1: oh 101 dalmatians That's oh a okay
0: fair enough no, of course I, well for <laughs> gotcha gotcha all right so you graduate college this is what you want to do and somehow you come to here to central Pennsylvania to the state college area how did that happen
1: yeah it was just um I mean I really just was in graduating decided I I wanted to go anywhere I was willing to go anywhere to get into this field of animal sheltering because I knew that it was probably not going to be the you know the easiest field to to find a I guess, I mean, to, to find a job that, that uh, you know, offers a sustainable living. Um, so I was really willing to go somewhere where I could find, you know, a, a permanent position. Um, and, and I happened to stumble upon this growing shelter in State College, Pennsylvania, and decided to reach out. And, you know, after accepting the position, I thought, I'll give it a couple years, and then I can go somewhere I really want to go and I just absolutely fell in love with the shelter with the people and with the area and I have been oh, here that's awesome. ever since.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So tell us about Pause. Uh size, uh, you know what you guys do. Give us the give us the elevator pitch for Pause <laughs> Center County Pause.
1: Yeah, so Center County Pause uh Pause stands for Promotion of Animal Welfare and Safety and uh that that's exactly what I feel like we do. Um, we we work with dogs and cats, we operate a, a fairly sizable shelter for the area, um, and then we also have a really robust foster home program. So as I said, working with dogs and cats, we bring in those who are in need, get them medically and behaviorally cared for, and ultimately find forever homes for them. Uh, a big part of what we do is also a really aggressive uh, public spay and neuter assistance program.
0: For people that don't know anything about shelters and, and animal shelters, how what's the process like? How do you guys get animals in the first place? I know that people surrender animals to you, but can, do you also get like, do people call, do the, do the police say, hey, we're getting these calls on a dog that nobody owns. Can we drop it off? Or how does, how do you go about getting the animals that you have?
1: Well, there's a, there's a variety of ways, and it really boils down to there's two kind of jargony terms. One is owner surrender, and the other is stray. And owner surrender is um, someone who is moving, cannot take their animal with them. Uh, maybe there was a death in the family, and, and a family member surrenders them to us. Um, the, and and then, of course, there's times where they can't afford medical care or, or can't handle their behavioral needs. So that's a big section of them. And then there's strays. And that would be when we, um, not necessarily working directly with the police, but um, uh, but honestly, members of the public contact us about animals that they found and they bring them into us uh, and, and we'll hold them for a period of time. And if they're not claimed, then uh, they're placed up for adoption.
0: Um, and something else I learned from conversations I've had with you in the past is you'll also take a a load of puppies from other shelters in other states right
1: yes that's something that i'm really proud of that uh, that pause does is that we feel like we have a really good handle on our response to the the needs in center county especially in terms of dogs and so years ago we we reached out to shelters in the south and became partners with a group called freedom fences and freedom fences serves kind of as a halfway house between these very large Southern shelters, uh, and paws, And, uh, they, they, uh, hold to the dogs until we're able to get them up here. Do we transport them up? And these are dogs that are adopted sometimes in literally within hours of coming to us.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I just thought of a question. And I forgot it. Shoot. Um, Uh, Oh, you talk. you mentioned fostering. And and so walk us through, you know, this other, the other aspect, the other side of your job. So you're bringing these animals in, you're caring for them. uh, And then, you know, the goal is, of course, as you mentioned, forever homes, but I mean, you have a very robust foster program. So what does, how does that work and what does that look like?
1: Yeah. The, the foster program we have is, it's, it's like a remnant of our previous life from in pause we, we were a completely foster based rescue and then we just kept outgrowing it and and um ultimately got into the shelter we are now but the foster program uh, we have volunteers who are our foster coordinators uh people apply to foster they tell us about their living situation what kind of pets they have uh what they're looking for in in uh, in a foster animal, and <clears throat> we pair them up with who we think uh, will will work with them temporarily. And the fosters are really invaluable for us because not only do they physically free up room in the shelter, but they also teach us a lot about the animals. Um, that that then helps us to place them more quickly and more appropriately because we've we've found out uh, all of their you know behavioral quirks maybe or what it is that they like to do and where they'll thrive.
0: Uh-huh. And if the other end then if somebody wants to come actually adopt a pet and make it, you know, have a forever home, what's that process look like?
1: So that process, I I mean in the midst of COVID, it certainly looks different than normal times, but uh, uh similar to fostering, people apply uh, usually, they apply for a specific animal that they saw online, or, or that um, you know maybe they were browsing, walking through the shelter, and they got to meet and they apply. We process that application to make sure that um, that that this is going to be a good match. It's it's more about finding a good match than really, you know, saying yes, you can have one of our animals. Um, but, but then we will work with them on getting, getting the animal into their home. We make sure that the animal has been spayed or neutered microchips is all up to date on vaccines and generally healthy. Um, and, and then they go home and, um, yeah. we, we all continue to offer support, you know, in terms of advice after adoption and, and yeah, we, we love to, that's, that's certainly one of our volunteers favorites is sending out dogs and cats for adoption
0: just out of curiosity what it, when someone applies for a dog what what might a red flag be for you guys to say this is somebody we probably shouldn't be giving one of our animals to
1: well um you know it, it's important for us at pause oh and you're gonna get a real authentic experience because we've got my dog barking <laughs> now in the background <laughs> um uh, I'd say a, a big thing for us, you know, we, we want our animals to live indoors as members of, of the family. So uh, if people who are looking for a dog to live outdoors or, or a cat to be a barn cat, um, we're, we're happy to point them in the direction of, of us, you know, a place where you can find feral cats or barn cats, but our dogs are, and cats are looking for indoor families. So that's, that's one example of one where we try mm-hmm. to work with people on, on finding an alternative and really recognizing that a dog, you know, who wants to be indoors with your family should be indoors with your family and not, not tied up outside or stuck in the
0: backyard. Right. Right. And I have also learned uh, from many conversations with you in the past that another part of your job as, as much as you want it to be about working with the animals is you have to raise money too to, to keep your shelter going. Um, How much of your job is that and how much do you worry about or how is how is PAUSE funded or how are some because most people probably have no idea how shelters are funded. um, But we can use PAUSE as an example. Where does your money come from?
1: So the the vast majority of the money that we that we rely on comes from community donations, comes from individuals in the community who have decided that they want to support our cause. Um, this year we received government funding in the terms, of, in, uh, in PPP grants and that sort of thing. But, you know, that's, that's very COVID specific uh, until this year, we had never received any sort of government funding. Um, so the other option is you know, sometimes we, we might find ourselves, uh, the recipients of a grant, um, uh, but those are always a gamble. So many people are applying for grants that we can't really count on that. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, it is really community donations. We we charge adoption fees. We we ask for donations when animals are surrendered, but ultimately, that amount of money that we get from adoption fees and surrenders is really a drop in the bucket. So, it, right. it's it's community support.
0: Right. Right. And because I know you guys do do tons of awesome fundraising ideas throughout the year. I'm always impressed with the different things and the creative ways that you come up with of getting the community involved and getting people to donate money. So I just wanted to give you a shout out for that because I've always been impressed with what you guys do and how you guys go about trying to gain you know, that income that you need to pay the bills, keep the lights on, have the medicine for shots and all that kind of stuff. It's really, it's really impressive, honestly, from my perspective. Um, What's something that you wish people knew about shelters, about rescue animals that most people don't know? Oh,
1: that's a good question. Um, I think what I would like people to know about about animal shelters is uh, it, it, obviously a lot of it is a, is about the animals we would, we none of us would be there if we weren't uh absolutely you know obsessed with animals um but I think it's very easy for people to forget about the human aspect of animal sheltering um, you you see a lot of people really get down on the people who are surrendering their pets or, um, or you know, in need of assistance through coming into our pet food pantry and, and getting pet food, um, but but what I'd really like people to know is that PAWS at least and so many shelters around the country are trying to change to trying to change the perception that that we're here for the community. We're not here to judge you. Because you fell on hard times and had to surrender your dog. And you know, if if your stray if your dog comes into us as a stray, we're not here to throw fines at you. We're really um we're interested in working with you and providing you with what you need to provide a loving care for loving, caring home for your dog and cat because really we want to be the last resort for you. We we want to be a resource so that you can keep your animal in a loving, loving, caring home.
0: Yeah, that's good. You know, I was thinking about this too the other day. When I was a child growing up in the 80s, the idea of having a, a rescue animal, I mean, none of, we all, all of my friends had pets. So I had pets growing up where I did. None of my friends had rescue animals. But nowadays, it's something you hear about all the time. Social media is full of it with people sharing stories of their rescue dog or their rescue cat. What do you think accounts or how do you account for this rise in the popularity of people instead of going and getting a a purebred puppy or going to Petco and getting a, a an animal there or insert any, any other store here. Um, how do you think, how do you account for this rise in popularity in, in rescuing animals? And I think it's almost the point now where it's the, it's considered the, the, the cool thing to do almost. How do how do you account for that?
1: Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I agree. It's it's kind of the in vogue thing to do is is to rescue rescue an animal. I, I want to say that I I think that shelters have done a a really fantastic job of of marketing themselves and marketing uh the animals that they have available. Um it's it takes a lot of work, of course, but animals are are cute. And so it's it's kind of, if you put the effort in, it can be pretty easy to showcase them. Um, but there's a lot of groups and people who, um, go to great lengths to like promote, for example, shell, um, senior dog adoption and, and things like that, um, that people, um, you know, you previously just didn't see it. You didn't think about, um, going in and adopting a 15 year old chihuahua before, but, but, you know, now people are, are more inclined to, to do that because they they're seeing so much about the the joy that adopting a senior pet can give to you. So I, I want to give some, I guess, kudos to, to really a lot of the marketing people involved. I know that Paws has a – I mean, I'm biased, but I think we have the greatest marketing team, and it's all volunteers. So <laughs> –
0: uh, no, I don't. I don't think you're just tooting your own horn there. I I, I agree. Someone that uh, you know, I don't have any connections to to pause other than knowing you. Um, but I am always impressed at their their social media presence, how they present themselves in the community. They're 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 active. They're um they're always in in the you know they're always in the light, so to speak, in the spotlight. And I it, it's great. You know, I growing, like I said, growing up and even, you know, just within the last couple of years, the idea of getting a rescue dog would have never, ever been on on my radar, and because I never knew anybody that did it, and you mentioned something about all these, a lot of people now are are, are into this, uh, into the fact of, of rescuing senior dogs, and you said the joy that it brings, I know for a fact that you have uh, rescued some senior dogs. What joy, I don't know, this is kind of a weird question, but what is it about older dogs that brings you so much joy over, you know, everybody always equates a puppy with energy and, and yeah. cuteness here. You have an, uh, you know, you rescue a dog that has no teeth uh, or they they're blind or have some other health issue. What about senior dogs for you? At least do you find so awesome or that brings you joy?
1: Well, I, I would just say that I think, uh, I think it's like they're at the sweetest part of their life. Like they're the, they're, their absolute like best. They've lived their life. They're, you know, they're trained. Um, You know, you kind of got this ready to go dog um, that, that just fits right into your house. Um, And, and honestly a benefit of senior dogs when you're someone like me, who's, who's working pretty long hours, pretty on, on an average uh, week, senior dogs are, just hang out and sleep. And and so so for me, that's really a benefit. Um, I would not have the time for a young energetic dog. Um, So, so seniors really appeal to me. I bring my dogs to work and they hang out in the office with me. And, um, you know, I love, I love having them there um, to, to just remind me what it is that we're doing.
0: Right. Right. I do have to ask one kind of downer question. There have to be instances and situations in your job where you have to make a really difficult decision with the life of an animal. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you uh, how do you or how does how does pause go about making a, a tough decision like that?
1: Yeah. So uh, pause is a we consider ourselves a non euthanasia shelter. And what that means to us is that we only euthanize our animals uh, in cases of uh, uh, similar to what you would with your pet at home is what I usually equate it to. Um, so you either have run into a dire medical emergency and, and no no amount of reasonable intervention is going to save the pet that's an option or, you know, that's something that we, that we see, unfortunately, uh, pretty frequently, especially during our, we call kitten season, um, kittens who really are are unwell, maybe hit by a car um, or, or, or something to, to that effect. Um, and then the other big one is uh, end of life care. So, you know, we mentioned seniors and, and we're always thrilled when they're adopted, but sometimes they're not and sometimes they are reaching the end of their life and we work to find them foster homes and we just treat them the way that we would our own pets at home. We, we try to give a reasonable amount of, of, of medical care and keep them comfortable until it seems like the best option is, is to let them go. Um, the last option and one that we've fortunately ha- are very rarely up against is behavioral euthanasia. Um, and behavioral euthanasia is something that can be pretty divisive in the animal sheltering world because there's no black and white formula for, for when you uh, euthanize and when you don't. Um, PAWS is very fortunate that we have volunteers and staff who are very dedicated to, to ensuring that our dogs especially, receive the the behavioral attention that they need and not just the medical attention that they need um, and, and we have uh, euthanized a very, very small number of dogs in the amount of time that i've been at pause for for behavioral reasons, but those dogs are dogs that are that are unwell they're they're mentally unwell.
0: Mm-hmm yeah i was just it has it has to be tough i mean even though these aren't your pets they kind of are your pets you're yeah. you're you're working with them every day you're seeing them interacting with them so any decision like that would have to be be really really difficult um i can't imagine i, I can't um yeah. so
1: yeah we have a um yeah i i do feel like um they're kind of our our pets if they have if they haven't found their forever home they I know, at least at PAWS, that they that they knew love because our volunteers just um, give so much to them. Um, but but yeah, our, our dogs and cats who are euthanized, um, who didn't find a home, they reside in my office and by way of a little clay paw print.
0: Mm. Okay. Hmm. So let me ask you this: your career and all of this that we've been talking about. Do you prefer animals or people? <laughs>
1: I got I got sidetracked by career. I don't like hear that I'm like a career woman very
0: much. Oh, you are though. Okay. Sorry. I'll take that back.
1: No, no. Um, uh, you know, um, so I think that actually ties really perfectly in with what I was saying earlier. Um, it is a really easy trap to fall into to say, oh, I hate people. And let's, I mean, be serious. There are days where I come home, and it's it's been a rough one. And you're really frustrated with with some of the people you dealt with that day. Um, but if in order to save animals, I I cannot take on the attitude that I like animals more than people. I love animals, <laughs> and I I love the people that make what we do possible. <laughs>
0: What this? I'm. I'm really. I thought of this question a couple days ago, and I. I just can't wait to hear your answer for this. Okay. What has or what have animals taught you?
1: Oh, I mean, I want to say patience, but Kevin is also in the other room, and he's probably going to shake his head that I don't have much patience. <laughs> <laughs> but it might be even worse if it weren't for animals. But no, I. I mean, I feel like. um I think patience has got to be it because um i I see these animals that need so much, and um and i and i I'm willing pause volunteers and staff are willing to do anything it is that they need i mean we 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 recently took in an emergency foster cat who you know needed fluids twice a day, who needed several medications twice a day, had to be hand fed and And, um, you know, in in asking Kevin, hey, can we can we bring this cat home? It's like, yeah, sure. And we've had her for a few weeks now. And we just don't think twice about what it is that they need because they're there's they need us. And so so we want to give them what what it is that they need.
0: (laughs) (laughs) sounds good. Well, let's let's stop talking about your professional life. I, okay. I want to ask you this question too. So, I know for a fact that you are a voracious reader. Mm-hmm. Um, have you always been a uh, a huge reader?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, I I always like to read. Um, uh, my mom and I would go to the library um and we would get a big stack of books and just read them together and um uh, yeah, I, I always um Every night before bed, like falling asleep, reading every night.
0: And besides reading, what else do you do to relax? What's what's a, what's a go-to for Lisa Bar besides a book?
1: Um, well, do- walking my dogs is one. <laughs> but um, uh, I like to bake, and um, as you know, I I like to make like sugar cookies that are decorated sugar cookies.
0: Yes, um, and you're very good at it too.
1: <laughs> and that's pretty relaxing for me. Awesome. Uh, for
0: sure. Before we close out the interview, I wanted to give you the chance to say to anybody that is, you know, after listening to this interview, they're thinking, you know what, maybe maybe adopting a pet is something I I would like to look into. What advice can you give people out there that are have maybe thought about it but never, you know, never pulled the trigger and went through with it um about Adopting uh, or rescuing an animal,
1: Yeah, I would say that they they should check it out. just talk, visit a shelter, reach out to a shelter and, and see what their process is like. Um, uh, we you know we, we're really happy to hear from people who want to work with us and want to help. Um, if, if you're really on the fence of do I have enough time for this or or even do I have the finances for this, a shelter that has an option for for fostering is a really great option because you can kind of test the waters a little bit, see if you have the time without fully committing. Um, that's certainly something that, that people do um, at pause is, is they'll foster for a while until they're in a place where they feel like, yeah, I'm really ready to, to make a more permanent commitment but yeah i guess i just say reach out and and when you're able to visit visit but and until um until that's an option again um reaching out to shelters and and like watching their videos and live streams and um, many of us are doing like zooms um, for certain animals Um, we're, we're happy to show you show you around
0: I guess uh, this is kind of a weird question, but if if someone's in this situation where they're looking around and checking out shelters, a, as far as advice goes, is there anything that they should watch out for that is a that's a red flag with a shelter that they should say, oh, maybe this isn't a place to support?
1: Yeah, um, I would. Yeah, I, I would definitely watch out for um, any shelter that's adopting out animals that are not spayed or neutered. Um, or don't seem that they seem to have been uh, medically well cared for. Uh, s- some people are quick to say they will not adopt from a shelter where they euthanize. And I would discourage that, that attitude because, um, you know, you could go in and quite literally save an animal's life if you go to a shelter where they euthanize. And, and no one in animal sheltering enjoys euthanasia just sometimes is, is a terrible part of, of the job. Um, but yeah, I would say spay and neuter is, is a big one. And, um, and, and shelters should disclose information to you. If you've got a shelter that seems like it seems like you're talking to someone and they're really buttoned up about where an animal came from or what they like or, or what behavior you've seen from them in the shelter, um, that would give me pause for sure.
0: Okay. Those are all great tips for anybody out there, of course, uh, interested or thinking about fostering a pet. Lisa, before we end this conversation, I close all of my episodes out with 10 quick questions. Um, Are you ready?
1: Okay, I'm ready. All
0: right. Question number one, what is your morning drink of choice?
1: Oh, my gosh. This is so bad, Doug.
0: It's Coke Zero. Coke Zero? That's all right. That's all right. I don't drink coffee. Well, I, I, there's there's way worse answers than that out there. Come on. You could have been like whiskey or something <laughs> like that. Uh, Coke Zero is okay. Coke Zero is okay. Uh, number two, uh, what is a go-to musical artist or group of yours?
1: Uh, Guster. Guster is my ah.
0: favorite. You are my second guest to say that. Uh, oh, it's good. Nice. It is a good group. It is a really good group. And it's a group that uh, I think it was the second episode of the podcast. Uh, my friend, Monica got married at a Guster concert. Uh, oh, and awesome. she's the one that told me about Guster. I'd never heard of them either. Uh, I, like most of Americans. I think they're, they're one of those bands that either have this you know every person absolutely knows them and knows like every song or mm-hmm. you've never heard of them before. So yeah. another shout out to Guster. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Number three, what is a movie that you can watch over and over again and it never gets old?
1: Uh, well, because we're talking in December, I'm gonna say it, it's A Wonderful Life.
0: Oh, uh, but if we were in December,
1: that. I think it would probably be Forrest Gump comes to mind.
0: Boof, two great films. You know, I, I've often I mention It's a Wonderful Life to my students a lot, and of course, the vast majority of them haven't seen it. Um, but that is one of those movies too for me that. Uh, I've seen it, I don't know countless times, and I still mm-hmm. cry every time I watch that movie. Oh, yeah. I love that film. um all right, this is a great question for you. Number four, what is the last thing that you read?
1: Um, like the last book that i read
0: well could could be or or something else or <laughs>
1: Well, um, I mean, I'm working on updating our standard operating <laughs> procedures manual. So, as you messaged me to say we were ready to get started, I was reading the standard operating procedures manual. There you go. I, I, I was I, I
0: forgot to ask this kind of a side question real quick. Um, has I, I would imagine this is the answer is yes, but has COVID greatly altered the way that you do your job?
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. I, I, we are by appointment only. Uh, I mentioned Zooms for adoption meetings. Uh, we we really had to think on our think quickly hmm. on our feet to figure out how we were going to get animals out to people without me, without them first, you know, spending a, a bunch of time and meeting animals. And then, of course, fundraising, you know, that that's yeah. that's in person. How do we do this virtually? So.
0: Right. OK. All right. Number five, what's your favorite pizza topping?
1: Um I really like um buffalo chicken pizza.
0: It is good. That is good. Number 6. Oh, I don't know about this, but I was thinking about what you might say for this. Laying on the beach or going for a hike?
1: Uh, I'd say going for a hike for sure. With,
0: okay. With dogs. With with dogs, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Number 7. You have invited me over for dinner. What are you making?
1: Um I usually a uh, go-to is lasagna. We go with lasagna.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, a dream vacation destination of yours?
1: Well, Kevin and I are, have yet to make it to Germany, so we mm. would like to get to
0: Germany. You will love it. You will love it. Number nine, what is something that you're afraid of?
1: Um, well, this is a pretty general response, but I... I I'm pretty easily frightened by scary movies. In general. Okay. So if I watch a scary movie, whatever it's about, that's what I'm currently afraid of.
0: <laughs> okay. So clowns could be one of the answers. Yeah. or yeah. <laughs> Fair or <something>. enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And number 10, what job other than your current one would you love to have?
1: Um... Well, I guess uh, you know I really do enjoy baking, and I think that that would be something I would I would enjoy making a career out of if, if I weren't working yeah. with animals. Yeah.
0: Great. Well, uh, Lisa, thank you so much for coming on the show. I will post a link to Center County PAW's website in the show notes Great. for anybody that's interested in learning more about your shelter. And uh, of course, all of the contact information is there. And if you are in the central Pennsylvania region, of course, I highly recommend that you check them out. And if you are to the point where you're ready to adopt uh, and you call... Make sure you ask for Lisa and told her the tell her that you you heard about this whole stuff here on the podcast. Thanks again, Lisa, so much for coming on. It's been great uh, talking with you tonight, and I hope that we have been able to give some information to people that maybe somebody out there listening to this will decide to to rescue an animal in there in the near future.
1: Yeah, thanks, Doug. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate it. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to Doug's Front Porch, a conversational podcast with your host, Doug Maidenford. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for at Doug's Front Porch. And please feel free to tell all your friends about the show. And I'll see you all next time on My Front Porch.